Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today we've got another amazing guest on our show. He is the head of brain-based leadership program in Cambridge, CEO of Leadership Consultant Group, and founder and CEO of Meet Yourself a company that is putting together DNA, neuroscience, and psychology into one amazing personality test. Welcome to the show, Dr. Antoine Eade. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Excellent. I'm excited about this because how many people out there do you think are actually living their true passion, performance, um, and how much of a nightmare is it for companies, HR groups, and the people out there? Well, only the lucky ones. Uh, <laughs> right. We spend uh, sometimes most of our lives trying to um, figure this out. And eventually what matters really isn't finding that purpose. It's really being happy. Uh, but statistically... People who do find that purpose are usually happier and more healthy and more feel more fulfilled and successful. Right. That's so powerful because people kind of drift their entire life or they're just stuck there. And, uh, and career is a big part of this, obviously. And uh, that's, that's how we put our purpose and... Uh, fulfill kind of the need to, to build society. And uh, on the opposite end, there's people who have companies that are trying to get productivity up and, uh, and yeah, they want to help people out. Um, but what you're doing is truly unique here. And how much of an impact maybe financially do you think it will have in the, in the business market then? Well, uh, I'll give you a bit of background behind this and I'll answer your question regarding, regarding impact because I've been doing this for almost 13 years now. Um, wow, yes. We've, uh, it's, it mostly goes back to our upbringing and everything we carry with us to the workplace. We right. mostly to focus a lot on uh, being good enough being good right, enough yeah. for uh, a demanding parent, for a perfect God, for a, uh, an inspiring teacher. Sometimes they grade us at school by um, a grading system that evaluates our performance, and we always want to do better. Right. We have the mindset of I need to develop, I need to grow, I need to keep learning for the rest of my life, which is amazing. This is how the world moves forward. But we were not trained and taught always to look into our um, strengths and potentials and talents in parallel with fi fixing what is missing. Focus a lot on what is missing, on those weaknesses to uh, to fix, yes. on, those, on what needs to be developed. Not really. We don't always get the chance to look at into what is my talent and how can I nurture that. 
And that's mostly because the tools and the science wasn't really um, advanced enough to highlight this. So our parents very lovingly uh, tried their best to uh, put us in different activities until we eventually enjoyed one of them and started practicing this. <laughs> and eventually, greatest pianist in the world, <laughs> fastest uh, runner in the world, just by pure trial and error. <laughs> It's a thin line between greatest pianist in the world and never heard of him. It's, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> um, razor. Yeah, he's <laughs> a thin. So, um, and we carry that that we carry that mindset uh, to our lives, to our relationships, to our careers, and then later we bring it to the workplace. And this is where it gets really messy sometimes because this is where we have to report to someone else who might actually try to even focus on these error and those mistakes and those lacks and weaknesses and um, uh, and try to either develop them in us or like highlight them all the time. Right. What, what I've seen what I've seen in my career doing leadership development consulting for this many years is people have a tendency of focusing a lot on their weaknesses. But the power of what I have been doing is when people start looking at their strengths. Because the brain, you right. and I know, and, and the, the audience uh, might know that uh, the brain feels uh, much more productive and happier when it's recognized. When it's in flow, in sync. When it is in flow, absolutely. And to be yeah. in that state, you need to be doing something that comes out of a motivation, out of a passion, out of um, like the positive trigger in you. So, and that's the, that's the power of this. When people start looking into their strength, uh, they identify those different points where they find themselves being more motivated when they're doing something as opposed to something else that is being demanded from them or that they need to do only for the sake of getting paid at the end of the month. It's right, a simple yeah. example is, is a, mother, a mother has two children. One has a musical talent, the other, the other doesn't. Both of them get the same amount of hours uh, learning piano every day with the same tutor, every week with the same tutor. And they go and practice after the tutor is gone. But you can already tell the level of passion and motivation with the, with the child that has a higher musical uh, talent. And the same right. applies to all of the other personality aspects. We are more genetically motivated, you are more motivated brain-wise, thinking-wise, when it comes to certain type of tasks than other tasks. Well, that, that's brilliant. such an important factor to, to list there is because up until now, nobody's been saying there's genetic traits. And well, how do you measure those? And yeah, there's been personality tests and, uh, and once again, aptitude tests that are going to kind of determine a child's future to some extent. And yeah, most of it's trial and error. But you're saying now that we can look at kind of the, 
the blueprint of to guide directions is is that kind of one of the the main themes here absolutely well we need to remember that genetics do not define personality no they don't as behavior as behavioral traits but they can define certain predispositions you know yes we accept widely in athleticism for example you get someone who is tall to play basketball what is tall you can think you can think a lot and train a lot to become taller you're either genetically tall or you're not right <laughs> it's not a skill <laughs> and the same applies to the same applies to other personality traits except that phys- physically the genetic influence is much higher than person than on personality because personality is also influenced by the environment that that those those genes that a person carrying those genes is raised and is um, is living in so, but however right being uh, the, the best analogy i ever heard on that one is that they're the blueprints and you take Actually, the blueprints and throw them into construction site it doesn't mean that's how the construction site's going to be built. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but it's without a very important. Absolutely. You be, might be shooting in the dark without the blueprint. So it gives you some, some guiding indicators on where your potentials, your genetic potentials might be. And if those are nurtured, there's a higher probability that that person can find the areas where they have higher motivators. And we know that for someone to do something well, they need to know how to do it. That's the skill and the competency part of performance. And they also need to be motivated at doing it. Most people leave their job because of lack of motivation. When somebody acquires a skill, they don't forget it during the job. They lose motivation. They don't forget. They don't lose the know-how. When we when we learn right. tennis, we learn tennis for life. When we learn piano, we learn piano for life. And language the same. We might forget a little bit. Yes. Come back later and practice it. It will come back. That's a skill. That's a competency or a proficiency. But motivation, if it's not there, you, performance is severely affected. And for performance oh, to be high, you need a high level of motivation and a high level of skill. And those motivators usually mainly come from the genetic, the innate motivators and the thinking preferences or the brain preferences. Ah. So when you say these brain preferences, uh, I'm going back to, to the test that, that I ran with you there. And yeah. uh, you broke it down into four: uh, reasoner, visionary, accomplisher, and socializer. Um, right. Let's get you before you dive into these. And basically, are there enough jobs in certain areas this way, or is the landscape of careers about to change too? That's and a very how interesting question. Knowledge influence it. That's a very good question. Uh, all jobs require these four ways ways of thinking. We, we. This is our. Brain. That's our complete brain. We always think 
with imagination. We're always using a certain level of reasoning or analytical thinking. Always using our, using our execution thinking or our social thinking. We're dealing with people all the time. It's not something that, it's not like a, a slot that you shut down and another one opens. It's all interconnected. What this means and why is it called a preference is because this is where you feel most comfortable. This is, it's, you know, take an artist, for example, put them in a job, in a different job that requires right. day to day listening to someone else, giving them instructions and repeating the t- same task every single day. How do you think? Right, right. It is going to. They might be. They might be very good at it. It will affect their motivation the more they do it. it because their thinking the preference. Out of them. Absolutely, their thinking preference is more imaginative, more creative. More they're an, an, uh, they think with autonomy. They have free thinking and into high intuition. And this is where they get their energy and they get their, their motivators. All right. So let's go into the four different ones then. Uh, reasoner, what are you looking at? And what sort of pops up when you, you, when you think reasoner? So let me start with the first one to the right. That would be um, the visioner colored in purple in that diagram. Uh, I don't know if there's if we if we have the uh, possibility of showing that when you're um, when you're airing this, the vision would be your thinking preference towards uh, seeing the big picture, focusing on the notions, on the concepts, on the big ideas, and not really like you see the big image and not the pieces of the puzzles puzzle that make that make the image. The socializer brain, we are social creatures. We learn socially as humans. We have a developed social brain. And um, that part manages our relationships with others. Empathy, empathy is there. Social relationships is there. That intuition, that strong intuition you get when you are in a room and someone new enters the room. Right. That comes from there. Uh, the accomplisher brain, colored in green, is the more organized planner part of the brain that bring, takes a, a big idea and turns it into a project, a plan, or milestones. Um, that's the part of the brain that is aware of time. It's aware of deadlines. It is aware of um, the, resource, the resources needed to get something um, accomplished. And the reasoner brain is our analytical brain. It does the pros and cons. It does the logical sequence, sequential linear thinking. So let me give you an example. Say you want to go to um, a uh, a hiking trip next Sunday. Okay. Your visioner brain is automatically thinking, yes, I am going on an adventure. That's, right. what get, that's what gets the vision of being energized. Your socializer brain is automatically thinking, hmm, should I take anyone with me? Who do I take with me? Right, Your yeah. brain immediately jumps to, okay, when am I leaving? When am I coming back? What do I take with me? Do I have enough money for the trip? 
<laughs> and your reasoner brain is thinking analytically. What are the dangers of going there? Pros and cons. Um, is this the right uh, moment to go or not? We all use these when we're making decisions. This is our uh, decision-making process. This is our thinking process. Yes. However, we feel more comfortable thinking in certain ways than in other ways. And that's the, what's amazing about the human brain. We are able to move between different thinking styles. And we do that on, uh, all day. However, it's like a muscle, you know? Your muscle has a shape. You flex it, it will take another shape. But if you keep flexing it, it will get tired. Absolutely. Right? Your muscle at rest is where your preferences are. Is where it flows naturally. Uh, you like that. Yeah. Great analogy. Now, with this, are you finding after 13 years of kind of researching this that people have maybe larger amounts of preferences in one way versus others? And those are the ones that it's easy to fit into a department, right? <laughs> yeah. And then are you finding like there's this other cohort that is like a, a mad mixture of all of these? And <laughs> I would predict that you'd find more kind of inner tension in these people because it's so much gray. It's not black and white. Uh, what are some of the fun kind of dynamics you've been seeing with just these four combinations then? Well, this is so powerful that I was in rooms sometimes with 40 people having their results and I was able to name them, recognize them one by now, one by name, just by having their results without being, before being introduced to them. That's how <laughs> right, yeah. this is. So, uh, I haven't invented this science. The science is there for the last 40 years. There's Herman research, the whole brain thinking. There's a lot of different models that followed. Uh, the science of uh, brain preferences is not new. And there's some data after all these years. One, uh, most people have a thinking convergence. We call it a thinking convergence when they have two adjacent thinking preferences. So either an upper brain thinking, more developed, a right brain thinking, which is called the intuitive thinking, the lower brain thinking, the pragmatic thinking, or the left brain thinking. Most people have that combination of the highest two, just like you and I uh, on, on our uh, reports, right? Um, uh, the other uh, the the other different types are one strong dominant uh, thinking. That's that is a rare combination. Another rare combination is two opposing preferences that are the biggest. When I say opposing, visioner is the opposite of accomplisher. One is a thinker of ideas. The other one is an accomplisher, an action uh, oriented, result oriented. The other two poles are, one is logical, that's reason. The other one is emotional, that is socializer. And they pull in, uh, in, in different uh, in opposing directions. So that divergence is also rare. The thinking versatility is, is also rare as well, which is somebody having four equal thinking preferences. And that could be a great blessing. 
and it causes some challenge at the same time because your brain is thinking right. of so many different elements at the same time. <laughs> now, how many of those people do you do you think you find um, in comparison to to maybe other personality types? Then, well. Uh, this again, this would not be a personality. This wouldn't be co uh, considered as a personality. Right. To personality, you need to combine the genetic potential right. with the thinking, with the acquired skills and behaviors. Together, they make a personality, and that personality is ever evolving. It's not an abstract and, and concept. A little more complex then. <laughs> and right, much more these great references, what are you <laughs> sorry tell me. tell me oh i didn't hear with the these great references kind of the the ones that would be more in in uh cross preferences um versus more kind of polarized um have, have you kind of narrowed it down to kind of um percentages are kind of uh there are there's uh, uh yeah there are a lot of papers on this what we could what we could see 30 and 40 years ago is slowly changing for instance male and female populations show used to show um male and female populations used to show uh, large differences those differences are not as large anymore. For instance, male populations uh, used to uh, show a more strategic brain, which is the upper brain. Females showed a more concrete brain or um, a pragmatic brain, which is the lower, the lower brain. Now it's getting uh, much closer. So uh, there, with with. Uh, with the way we are with the way we are developing from generation to generation, we're seeing that uh, brain preferences are converging more and more. These differences and these poles are slowly disappearing. Really, wow! Yeah, and you're seeing this in the genetics, not just in the, the psychology and neuroscience tests, too. That's right. Yes. Wow. What on earth might be causing that? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's, of course, uh, definitely our exposure to learning or exposure to information, to, to experiences. Uh, we are bombarded by, inf by information uh, that is different than people living 50 years ago. And that right. is changing us from one generation to the other in a much different way right now um yeah we're we the 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 evolution between generations is becoming uh, very fast wow yeah <laughs> that is yeah. kind of mind-blowing right there and yeah. there now, what I was most kind of interested about in these reports, too, was that uh, basically you had brain preference, um, kind of where people are, um, how they self-reported versus yeah. what you would expect 
from looking at markers of DNA function. So yes. in the genetics. So whether they are kind of in tune, whether they're performing higher than you would expect it in that kind of domain, or whether they're in conflict and uh, maybe psychologically doing a little less off than, than genetically they could in that domain. Um, what are kind of your insights on, on that? Well, if you look at some examples of high performers, you always find a high level of talent coupled with high level of expertise, uh, know-how, and, uh, and learning. Uh, i give you an example. There are 500 million registered tennis players around the world. By registered, I mean they are enrolled in clubs and they practice tennis. Some, some practice a lot. Great facilities, great coaches, they practice for many hours every day. Why is it that we keep seeing those few people in the top 10? What happened to all the other ones? It's because these top people have the, a much higher level of talent plus, um, uh, plus skill at the same time. And that leads to that edge, that higher performance. Um, so uh, to answer your question, our performance is that combination and is affected by those genetic predispositions, those genetic potentials, which could remain dormant if they're not nurtured or could be right. explored if they're exposed to the learning. And then there's the cognitive ability to learn, there's the intelligence, there's the environment itself, there's the inspiration that comes from outside. You know, I try to put this in a mathematical formula. P, Einstein did um, E equals MC squared, right? Right. <laughs> so mine is P equal MS squared. Okay. P, P stands for performance equals motivators plus skills squared. Why is it squared? Because under motivators, I'm going to put two different categories. What motivates someone towards something is a set of two things. A talent, okay. can, motivate, a talent can motivate you or a genetic potential can give you that motivation. Like someone talented in sports, they would love to go and do it and practice it, right? Right. That's the first type of motivator. The second type is the external motivators. Could be a good teacher, could be a leader at the workplace, could be the work environment that can give that motivation. So that's under M. Under S, skills, there's two different levels of skills. There's, there's again, talent which defines a certain level of skill before learning happens, and there's the acquired learning. Now, out yes. of these four factors, two are inherited, and the other two are developed. Now, here's the interesting part. 
sometimes the sometimes the inherited part that in that that inherited part that is influenced by genetics, which in turn influence our thinking preferences, could be somewhere between thirty and seventy percent of of performance. Some traits, right. some personality traits, have very high heritability and very high genetic influence. Right. Which means that when people arrive to the workplace, they're bringing that package with them of motivators that regardless of how good the work environment is, they're not really uh, motivated to do that kind of job. And what do leaders do in that case? They don't know about that hidden part. They start doing the training, the motivation. They put them on incentives. They uh, they give them bonuses. Each company has all these different motivational schemes, which eventually become hygiene hygiene factors. It's something that a company is an organization is giving to an employee, and now they're stuck. If they take it away, it becomes a demotivator. But if I keep if they keep it, it doesn't motivate. And it becomes a financial burden. And that's only because these organizations or these leaders were not did not know how to look into the motivators of each individual. Those things that this, they come to the workplace with. This is so important because, yeah, I remember like just oh, a couple weeks ago, I was speaking to one of the presidents at a, a company. And, uh, yeah, they had just gone through whatever evaluation, whether it was DISC, whether it was Myers-Briggs, whatever it was. And uh, everybody's got a better idea of who they are. And uh, he felt at the end that he had to put on the, the kind of the boundary that, yes, you guys know this stuff now, but it's not an excuse to not do your job. <laughs> what's and, the point uh, <laughs> i'm kind of like yeah I, I think on all ends they kind of missed it that yeah you got this better sense of how to communicate with each other and everything else but your actual job title's not changing <laughs> or maybe in some cases they realize you're kind of in the wrong role and could could succeed elsewhere better but uh, <laughs> there is so much that could be done kind of workplace wise to, and to put these teams together and uh, really kind of build on it to, 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 to get that company performing and the collective performing um, based off of what you said. Um, what sort of leadership uh, kind of integration then once somebody has this knowledge um, could be implemented then? Another great question. Uh, there's so many different areas that this can uh, help with. First of all, you need to make sure that leadership is actually committed to the knowledge and the learning from these results. There's no point in doing any personality assessment if right. it's just going to be a score or, or, or like a different colors. People just remember those scores for like a week or two, and then they forget that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Myers-Briggs is just four letters. People can't even remember the sequence of their letters or even what the letters are. 
right? I'd agree. The point yeah, behind it, right? The point is right. not really uh, labeling or uh, labeling individuals and putting putting them in the drawers and categories. The point is really using this information, these metrics, to create that change. And that change isn't really developing people in areas where they might be good at, knowledge-wise, but would be coming to work every day thinking, oh my God, another day at work. Just right. imagine the world if all of us wake up in the morning and go do something that we really enjoy. Yes. What would happen to this world if everybody is doing what they are meant to do? Or I don't mean meant to do as in uh, we come with a, a recipe and that's it. No, we can do anything we want. But there are things in us that give us that extra pleasure, extra motivation. Remember yes. the last the last time you were happy, what were you doing? Right. I was in flow with my career, my lifestyle, relationships, all of it. So how, how, do, how do I find that again? <laughs> Can you remember something specific that you were doing and you were, you were feeling that great happiness? I was knocking things out of the park. It was whatever came at me, I was able to accomplish and do. Yeah. Yeah. So is that in the past? Are you still in that same flow, same state at the moment? Not as much. No. Are you doing anything different than what you were doing before? Uh, different surroundings, different settings. So those surroundings and settings are maybe not as built as as uh, what I'm after and looking for. Correct. I totally understand that. Let me let me let me share with you a story. The last yes. time I was really really happy is the last time I traveled to a new city, rented a car and got lost trying to find my way to the hotel without Google Maps. Right. Because for me, remember my, uh, we discussed my bit of, um, of my profile when we were um, uh, discussing yours. For me, as a highly intuitive brain, the journey of the creation or finding the way is the part that motivates me. And I can see this as a business uh, as an entrepreneur right now, that my brain starts to lose the motivation once the creation is over and we're moving to implementation. That I'm already thinking of the next project, of the next big idea. Right? Exactly. And there's a funny story. I was walking in the park and I did not want to take the same road uh, path back to the car park. So I asked a couple how to get from the other side. And as soon as the gentleman started showing me the way, he said, you go straight and then you turn right. I stopped wanting to hear the rest of the directions because I want to get, <laughs> I want to find the way, you know? And 
these these moments, that moment of creation and experimentation, goes very well with my genetic profile and very well with my thinking preferences. Yes, and that makes me, that makes me happy. So this that's this is why I encourage everyone to really reflect on when was the last time they were truly motivated doing something, because effectively this will be very much related to something they have in their genes or something they have in their mind that gives them that high energy while they're performing it. Nice. So once they find this kind of memory of flow, happiness, things going right for them, uh, how do they dial in on the specifics and get one of your tests? Where would they go? Thank you. So discovery is one part, but then developing is the other part. Because if you're not going to develop, uh, it might turn into a miserable experience, knowing that you could have been something, but you can't be that. So (laughs) it's sometimes better not to know, (laughs) not to know, than knowing and not being able to change anything, right? so I've, um, you, I think you've, you've seen the learning journey with Meet Yourself, which starts with the assessment and then moves through four different stages where the development is optional, but is very much linked to all of your personality scores, your genetic scores, your brain scores, and your behavior scores. They're not just generic development uh, items, they're actually activities and resources that are linked to your personality. And then you have a choice. The journey starts with the assessment. It doesn't end with the assessment because the aim is not to label people. The aim is to help them feel more fulfilled and find their happiness. And to do that, it's not good. It's not enough to watch tennis. If you really enjoy tennis, it would be good to learn tennis. To learn tennis, otherwise you're just a spectator, a big fan of the game, right? The motivators are there, but if you want to really enjoy it, start learning it. So having yes. the right skills, uh, the right learning that can help you develop develop skills that are linked to the potential and the talent will eventually lead to the purpose. Because this is where the purpose is is what you have in you and what you learn match. I love it. And then that would be your company at meetyourself.me, correct? Meetyourself.me. Well, thank you. Thank you for helping me promote my my product. I keep forgetting. I get to implementation here. <laughs> yes, yes. My structure, my structural brain, my accomplisher brain. Um, Meetyourself.me. Uh, you order a, uh, a kit like this. Uh, the swap you, collection kit. DNA. Swap collection kit. It has your own barcode. The information, the data is uh, 100% confidential. The whole process is managed by a barcode. So your name as a participant is not linked to the barcode. 
Uh, it has a swab collection kit inside. It's a cheek swab. Which so your DNA is nice and protected, and those results can't be used by anyone who might be malicious with things. No, Perfect. no. We only analyze the parts of your personality that can reveal the brilliance, the strength, the potential. There's no weaknesses when it comes to personality. What makes a trait a weakness is the environment itself and how much it is required. that trait is required. Right. You're not trying to make a fish climb a tree. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And... <laughs> People don't have to don't have to make that change, but this is for for individuals that are actively seeking to find answers related to their purpose and to their potential. And this is definitely powerful for teams and organizations that are trying to get rid of a toxic uh, of toxic uh, toxic environment and want people to work better with each other and better understand each other. I absolutely applaud you for that. And I think the, the potential behind this is immense. And yeah, it's geared, obviously, uh, like a lot of, of tests out there to, and to help out with uh, the work environment. But this goes way past that. This goes into how you live, your purpose, your passion, um, your relationships, everything. And I think it will just get more people in tuned and in sync with themselves and with the people they work with. And uh, I look forward to seeing uh, where this takes off. And and uh, if you ever do go on another adventure, because uh, <laughs> uh, this has been, a, been an amazing one for you. So for everyone tuning in, definitely check out meetyourself.me. And... Stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care.